my fellow podcasters. This is the Havila Kennington podcast, and this is Havila Kennington. Today, we're going to do something different for the podcast. I'm going to tune us into one of the messages that I spoke in one of the last months, and I thought you'd like to listen in. It's not normal. Usually, I share what we've been doing and where we've been, but I thought maybe you'd like to listen into one of the messages that we've been sharing in our latest travels. So sit back, tune in. Maybe you're on a run. Maybe you're in carpool. Maybe you're switching the wash or maybe you're pressing dry again on your dryer. Regardless, I want you to sit back and receive from the Holy Spirit. I hope that you get something out of this and I'll catch up with you at the end of this short message. John 10, 10, how many of you have heard this passage before? It says this, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and what? And to destroy, and I have come that you may have and have it abundantly. You know, I love what T. Jake says. He says, you must understand your enemy for you cannot defeat what you do not understand. That means you can't say that's the devil or that's God until you begin to understand how he operates. And sometimes we're in cultures where it's here, devil, there, devil, everywhere, a devil, devil. And then there's sometimes we never talk about it. And at the end of the day, we are in a battle, the Bible says. The Bible says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities. We fight against dark things, anything that lifts itself up above the knowledge of God. We are fighting that very thing. And we are at a war. Even last night we talked about, we want the rain to come and there's a a cloud the size of a fist, but we are all in a battle. And that battle is that you become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. And the, the enemy knows that if you become the person that God's called you to be, that you will live a life, the Bible says, of abundant living. And that word originally means that you're gonna be past regular, past extraordinary, past the exceeding imagination of what your life could be. The Bible says that abundant living is a life that's greater than you could imagine. And so we think, oh, if I could do this, and if I could be a worship leader, and if I could preach, and listen, it's bigger than that. It's greater than that. And the enemy's objective is to steal and to kill and to destroy those very things. So I wanna break this down. And if you're taking notes, you need to write these things down because this is gonna change the way you see this. It says the, the thief comes to steal. That word is a Greek word and that word is klepto. Can you say klepto? That's where we get the word kleptomaniac or kleptomania, you know, where we get the, that, that stealing, that thievery. And that word originated from that thing where the enemy wants to take from you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to steal from you. And he loves to take things. And that original word also uh, means embezzler. And we know how an embezzler works where they take small portions that's nearly undetected. And then ultimately it's taken everything. And that's how the enemy operates in our lives. He takes little by little our joy, our faith, our hope, our freedom and our purity. And he takes us just bits by bit. And then all of a sudden we've lost so much. And so that is a, the klepto, the, the you know, a, a compulsive need to take is what the enemy does in our lives. I think about my own life. I was 17 years old when I really 
turned my life over to Christ in a radical way. I was a preacher's kid and I uh, was raised in church, but I was very much lost in church. I grew up with a lot of learning disabilities and I was one of those girls that uh, was not good at reading and writing. I was embarrassed about that. And in fact, I was super social to kind of get away from the fact that I was very embarrassed. I had an identical twin who was very good at all of those things. And so if you have a twin that's very good at it, it almost makes it worse. And so then I would go into the church and I also felt very inadequate in the church. I didn't have this distinctive vocal, you know, worship leader anointing. And I wasn't the girl that, you know, saw open heaven. And I wasn't the girl that, you know, uh, could, could, could do all these. I was the intercessor. I was the girl that, you know, uh, was, was asked to do a bunch. I was kind of the girl that was under the radar. Anybody understand that feeling? And I, was, I always wished that I was exceptional at something, and yet I, I felt because I was in the church and because I wasn't good at t- speaking and I wasn't good at reading and writing and I, I wasn't good at all those kind of things that I would be the last person that God would wanna use. And so at 17, I was uh, at church and some guys had cu- picked us up to go to a party that night. We got in the car and we're driving to the party. And all of a sudden, as the music's playing, I feel the Holy Spirit come in the car. And the re- way that I feel is my heart begins to beat and I begin to hear him talk to me. And he says this to me, he says, Havala, you are called to more than this. You, are, you cannot live like this. You have a destiny, a calling. You've got to wake yourself up. You've got to get out of this. And so my heart began to beat so hard that I, I blurted out awkwardly to these guys. Can you turn the music down? I want to I say something. So the guys turned it down. And I just awkwardly said, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna serve God. I said, I have a call on my life and I want to live this life that I'm supposed to live. Now, the guys didn't say much. In fact, I still laugh about it today. They, they took us home. They didn't even say anything. They just like, let's take these girls home. There's nothing happening tonight. And uh, so they dropped us off at our house. I remember walking into a, the house, it was dark and we knelt down by the bed, my sister and I, and I said this simple prayer, Lord, I am not much, I'm young, I'm a girl, I have absolutely no special giftings or graces, but if you can use anything, you can use me. And I so wish that the heavens had opened that night. How many of you ever had those moments with God? Like, could you not spare an angel, just one God? You know, just give me one visitation. I think I am owed one, I've been doing this for a long time. And I got nothing. It was just, okay, good night. See you tomorrow. How many of you ever had those encounters with God? I just want to tell you everything counts. That no matter what we feel, the Lord hears what we're saying and it all counts. It all matters. And some of you are saying prayers last night, the night before this morning. And you're saying, I didn't get anything else than just a desire and a call and, a, and, a, and I cried and I felt something like I was giving God my all and God took you seriously. He heard that cry in your voice, in your heart. And he said, I am about to do something that they could never even imagine. And so I understand how the enemy likes to come and steal and kill. That word kill is the Greek word that means theo and that word means to sacrifice. How many of us have heard this passage and we think, yeah, the devil's out to like kill and he's, you know, violent and, and yeah, he's, he's violent and he's evil, but that word is sacrifice. And what that relates to is the thought that what the enemy can't steal from you, 
he will talk you into sacrificing to him. I hope you caught that. What the enemy can't take from you, he will tell you you've waited too long, believed for too long, and seen nothing happen, and so you might as well throw in the towel and live a regular life. And what I have seen in the church is that the devil doesn't have to steal very much because most of the church has just given it away. Because we've believed the lie that it's not coming to us and we're not going to experience it. And so he takes, we look at this passage and he comes to destroy, he comes to take from us. I think about the passage where Esau sells his entire birthright for a bowl of soup. And I think about that in our generation, how many of us are selling our bodies or giving our bodies away for a moment of pleasure? How many of us are giving away our character, our integrity for a moment of entertainment? How many of us are giving away the babies in our wombs for a moment of ease? And yet at the end of the day, we are selling our birthright. We are giving away the very breath of God that's within us that keeps us alive and motivated to live this abundant life that he's given us. And I wanna tell you something. From 17 on, I have, I have lived for God and not one day have I thought to myself, shoot, why have I done this? What a waste. Man, I, I, I believed all these things and it's you know, 15, 17 years later, really God? I mean, is this... I have always been amazed that the simple yes to God, the thousands of little yeses have become a big yes in my life. And God has taken me seriously just as he will take you seriously. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians. I wanna give you some understanding about defeating the enemy. And this is a foundational verse. When we look at these passages, and this passage is about taking on the armor of God, I want you to understand a little bit about Roman soldiers because when Paul talks about Roman soldiers and he talks about putting on the full armor and having you know, the sword of the spirit, we need to understand the context of what he's talking about. He's painting a picture of Roman soldier and Roman soldiers, they were actively refining their gift of being a warrior. And they would carry around swords double the size and practice with a sword, double the size to grow in endurance and strength. And they were in this routine of daily practicing with this sword. And they were taught to not cut, but to stab. They were not taught to take a sword and go slashing around. They were taught to take it and find the weakest point of the opponent and stab. And theologians believe they only had to go in two inches to kill their opponent. So when Paul takes us to this passage about defeating the enemy, we find that he's painting a picture of a soldier. And we have to understand what this looks like. So Romans, Ephesians, excuse me, 6, 16. It says this, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flames, arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation, and then it says this, and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Now, when we see the passage word of God in the Bible, there are two Greek words that it could be. It could either be logos, everybody say logos, or it could be rhema. Now, logos is the, it means the entire written word of God. In fact, there's a 
software in the lobby called Logos, and it means your entire Word of God, the Bible. Everybody say Logos. So here is the entire Logos of God, okay? So when Paul's talking about take up the sword of the Spirit, he did not use the word Logos. He used the word Rhema. And Rhema means this, a qu the quickened specific word of God, a quickened specific word of God. He said, when you're fighting the enemy, the logos won't do, you need to take the rhema to defeat the enemy. Now, how do we, how do we find that? Luke chapter six, I'm gonna, I wanna talk about this story quickly because Jesus shows us a total picture of this. Luke, Luke four, excuse me, Luke four, we find Jesus, you can turn there if you want, but I'm, I'm just gonna paint a picture. We find Jesus, Jesus is, he goes into the desert and he fasts for 40 days. How many of you ever fasted for 40 days? Okay, how many of you ever fasted for a day? How about just a meal? How many of you feel like you're gonna die if you skip a meal and you know who you are, right? So Jesus, Jesus spends 40 days in the desert eat, fasting. At the end of this journey, the devil comes to him and Jesus is hungry. Remember, he's fully man and fully God, okay? So this, he does not have some supernatural thing that's happening where he doesn't have to deal with what we're dealing with. The Bible says he is a God that dealt with all of it. So Jesus comes into the desert, the devil meets him and the first thing the devil says to him is what? See this stone, why don't you turn it into bread? Now, Jesus, he gives us keys to dealing with the enemy in our lives. And I want you to catch this. Please catch this because this is how you're gonna have to deal with the devil in your life. He doesn't say to the devil, um, devil, do you know what happened in the last chapter? Do you remember what happened to me? You see, in the last chapter, in Luke chapter three, we find that Jesus comes out of the desert and he gets baptized. Do you remember he walks on the scene John the Baptist yells across, behold the Lamb of God in whom I'm unworthy, right? And then he walks down and they, he goes under the water and he comes out of the water and the heavens open and a loud voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of you feel like it's just literally how your baptism happened? It's just eerie. <laughs> Me too. And uh, he doesn't look at the devil and he doesn't say, hey devil, I'm a really loved. I mean, I am so loved. I mean, I am so accepted. I, I mean, the Father talked about me. It's just amazing. He does not fight the enemy by his affirmation and love. He uses the word of God to cut the enemy. And see, some of us are trying to fight the enemy by explaining to him that you're loved and accepted. And guess what? He already knows it. And you don't feel powerful. You go, well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm singing love songs and I, I'm so defeated. It's because, listen, you're not taking the word and using it like it's meant to be used. If Jesus had to use it, I think we probably should follow in his steps. I don't know, but I'm just gonna throw that out there. So he says, he says, hey, turn that into bread. And Jesus says to him, I mean, just so, so clearly, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him again to the next verse. And he says, you know, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down, right? 
And Jesus, again, quotes right to him, you know, he commands angels, uh, uh, throw yourself down, I'm sorry, the devil quotes to him the scripture, and then he quotes to him, you know what, you, sh- you know, you should not put your Lord to the test, you should not put God to the test, and he again begins to defeat the enemy. The devil takes him up on top and he says, throw yourself down, right? And I, I think about this. I hope you follow me. I, I can't, can't you imagine Jesus in the desert? He's hungry, he's tired. And I could just see this so clearly. He reaches behind his hand in the midst of this great temptation and struggle. And the Holy Spirit just begins to lay a sword in his hand. Can you see it? He lays it and every time the enemy comes, he just stabs the enemy says, that is not truth, this is truth. That is not truth, this is truth. That is not truth, this is truth. Well, my friends, that's all for today. I'm really honored each and every time you tune into this podcast. If you enjoyed today, don't forget to leave me a review. I read each and every one. Just throw me some stars and make sure that you share this with your friends. It's really the only way that this message gets out. It's the only way that everyone learns about this podcast. And we really do this for you. We uh, really love you. And we're always honored that you follow us and that you help us. So have a great day. Can't wait to catch up with you next time and keep serving Jesus. It's worth each and every day of our lives. Love you. Bye-bye.